And uh, there was a, a time when I was out in front uh, throwing a baseball with uh, a little neighbor kid. And we're talking, and, uh, and uh, he says to me, well, where are you from? And I say, well, I'm from, I'm from California. And I was throwing the ball back and forth. And he says, oh, I got a teacher who's from the state on the other side of California. And I'm thinking, okay. I'm thinking, how well do I know my map, you know? I said, now say that again, the, the state where? And he said, well, the state on the other side of California. That's where she's from. And I'm thinking, now, does this kid know about Hawaii? I'm thinking, 2,500 miles away, would he be referring to Hawaii? So I'm, I'm pausing and thinking about this, and as we're throwing the ball, I'm wondering, boy, he is trusting his teacher with all his heart uh, that there is a state somewhere on the other side of California. And I'm thinking, I know about the water that's on the other side of California. And so as we're thinking about this, I was desperate to go inside uh, one of Marianne's great uncles and try and find an atlas, a, a map, uh, of, of what it was, try to find something outside of my own opinion and uh, to, to gently correct this kid to say, no, nah, I, I think, uh, I don't know what's going on there, but, uh, and you know, I couldn't, couldn't, uh, couldn't find anything. And uh, that reminds me of where we are uh, today on, on this Sola Scriptura Sunday. And that is that when Peter says we did not follow cleverly devised myths, uh, we have the sure word of God today. And uh, it's better than even Peter's experience uh, on the Mount of Transfiguration. In fact, Peter is uh, saying and telling us to look away from his own personal experiences. He's a witness, but he wants us to see that God has given his will and his word to us. And so with that in mind, needing a map, we need an authoritative map this morning. Would you join me in prayer? Let's, let's pray for the work of God's word. Father, uh, I'm among many, many people who embrace the Word of God, and uh, so I'm preaching to the choir. And that task, Lord, uh, must involve you by your Spirit uh, moving among us to convince us of something, to convince us of our absolute need that you would speak. Father, it was Martin Luther who said that of the greatest judgments God could ever make, it would be the judgment of the drought of God's word. Father, help us to drink and to, with certainty, know that you have spoken. We ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. And so, uh, Peter is here unpacking uh, some vital truths. He is uh, reflecting on his extraordinary experience on the Mount of Transfiguration. Uh, take a look at verse 16. For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Well, what was that like, Peter? When did that happen? And look at verse 17. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was borne to him by the majestic glory this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven, and we were with him on the holy mountain. And there it is. The Luke uh, chapter 9 is the one that would be a cross-reference where uh, more detail is given than Peter gives here in his second epistle 
of the Mount of Transfiguration, James and John and Peter were brought up uh, to the top of a mountain. And, the mount- and mountains in the Bible are interesting places. They are places usually of revelation. We think of Moses up Mount Sinai, a place of revelation. Uh, here we have a mountain uh, somewhere in, the, in that place, where, in that area of, of Israel. And uh, he is now uh, going up, Jesus is going up, and he is going to be transfigured. Uh, the veil of his humanity, the veil of his humanity is going to be unveiled. And Peter is going to understand that he is with and among an, a divine being. And what is important about that encounter is that there must be an interpretation given, a, an explanation of, of who Jesus is, and it comes from the Father's voice. The Father speaks from heaven. The Father spoke at Christ's baptism. The Father said, this is my Son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. And for a second time, the Father speaks from a glory cloud that had come and sat down upon that mountain. Peter is saying, I am an eyewitness of that glory and that majesty. And look at verse 19, and this is really our key verse this morning. And we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed. The prophetic word would be a, the, the entire Old Testament, all that God had been speaking and promising and now Peter is saying, and we have the prophetic word now more fully confirmed. We meaning the, the people of God, we meaning the New Testament people. He's encouraging his flock and saying, you, you have been given revelation as well. You were not given the Mount of Transfiguration. That was something I was given. But you have been given something very special. And it is to assure you of the authority of Jesus for all your needs. You have a a sure map. You have a way of understanding what God has said. You know where you are, and you know where you're going. Today is Reformation Sunday. In 1517, an unknown priest, Catholic priest, named Martin Luther, uh, had a disputation. He had uh, real concerns about his church. And he had 95 ideas. And he posted those as they did in that time. It was like a bulletin board. The church door was like a bulletin board. And he nailed his complaints and his discussion points. There were uh, many things he had to talk about. The, the, the main thing he was, had serious doubts about, that there was nothing in the Bible about, was the idea that if you were to buy uh, a, a slip of paper from, from some traveling huckster, it would, it would somehow assure you that your, your relatives have sprung out of purgatory. If you would just give money, it was a church fundraiser, and they were building St. Peter's Cathedral. And it was a thing called indulgences. And, and Martin Luther was studying his Bible, and that always leads to trouble. And he couldn't find it anywhere. And so he stood on Scripture alone. And he was, he was put on trial, and his life was on the line, and, and he began to write books. He was a professor. He began to write books and commentaries, and, and he, he found so much of what his church had taught him, it wasn't there. And then he was put on trial in 1521, and 
It's called the Diet of Worms. It's a gathering of religious ecclesiastical uh, authorities. And he's being charged with heresy. And his life is on the line. And they've taken his books and they've thrown them on the floor and they say, deny, recant all of it. And he argues back and says, but, but much of what I've written, the, the church has already agreed upon. Why, you agree upon the, some of the truths I've said. But if you're asking me to recant from what I've learned from Scripture, here I stand. God help me. I can do no other. I am not going to back down and deny the Scriptures as my final authority. Sola Scriptura means this. It means that ultimately, in the church, in disputes and in controversies, and when we were wrestling with what we should do, how we should worship, Ultimately and only, we have finally the scriptures. They are the final verdict upon what should bind our conscience. And that is for our good. And Peter is saying the same thing in verse 19. You, we have the prophetic word, all that God has said now made more sure. And then he encourages his flock with these words. To which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place. And so you can take your Bible and you can say, this is my lamp. This is, this is, this is how I am guided in my life. Uh, there is darkness within me. There is darkness outside of me. But this is, this is the lamp. And I am called to pay attention to it and to keep a great reverence for it We don't worship the Bible, but we are desperate for its instruction and uh, and its truth. And so it shapes every aspect of our life because we are desperate to get out of this darkness. Look at verse 19. It has such a beautiful flow to it. You would do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns. Look at that poetry. And the morning star rises in your hearts. And so here we are. We, we, we're looking at this scripture, and it's functioning like a lamp during the night. And how long will it function as a lamp in the night until the day dawns? Peter is saying... The scriptures are, are reliable, trustworthy. We would use the word inerrant, infallible, sufficient. And the scriptures are here and they're guiding you and they're guiding you until a day dawns, until the morning star rises in your hearts. That's such a beautiful picture. What, what does it mean? It, it's the picture of, of, of night and morning. I don't know what it is about Hawaii. If you thought Hawaii was a kickback, laid-back place, you should see how many people are up at 5.30 in the morning. You should see the Pali Highway here out here at 6 6 a.m. in the morning. People, uh, I would say the vast majority of the island is up before the the sun rises every day. And uh, there are people every day, and I hope you have seen, we don't, on the windward side here, get to see sunsets, but oh, do we, we're part of the rising of the day. We see sunrises. And in this valley and where you live, 
the, the purple hues and the, the beautiful golden rays and, and the, 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 you're saying goodbye to the, the darkness of, of the night. And there's one last image and you're not sure, is it part of the night or is it part of the day? There's one image prior to when that sun comes up. It's the, it's the image of a, of a morning star. And you're seeing the morning star in the darkness, but you know it's, it's indicating that the, that the great rising of the sun is about to take place. The darkness is being diminished and the, and the morning star is rising. What is Peter saying? Peter is saying this sufficient, inerrant, infallible lamp guide, someday you will not need it. Someday you will not be thumbing through the pages of Scripture to try and figure out what it's like to follow God and what it looks like to, to believe in God. Someday you will, you will be in God's presence. It, you will not have to meet with God as Peter did on, on a mountain and the glory of God came down from heaven and it was just a moment in his life. The glory of God and, his, and the joy of his, of his presence will be your experience forever and ever and ever. And, and I think Peter's just trying to struggle and he's, he's guided by the Spirit to give us this inspired word. It, it, what's it like? It's like when you see a morning star at the end of the night and you know the morning is here. But we are still in the darkness. The dawn has not quite become visible yet. But you already are part of that day that's coming. The rays of that sun have already come and entered into your soul. God has authoritatively brought you out of the darkness. And he has sovereignly brought you into the kingdom of his son through the forgiveness of sins. And you are part of the age to come now. That's why we worship. That's why we, we are stunned and astonished that, that we're part of this extraordinary uh, truth and, and the people of God. We are the people of the, of the end of the world already. We already know what the world, the judgment of the world to come will already, it's already our experience. We know the forgiveness of sins. And so now we pay attention. Verse 19, we pay attention because every aspect of our life needs to be guided by this all-sufficient word. Luther discovered that ultimately, if you leave the church to the, to the creativity of men, <laughs> if you leave the church and the church departs from Scripture, you will fall into deep superstition. Idolatry is just a few days away. The binding of people's conscience requiring people to, to believe and to do things that God never required of them, that will come. We, are, we should be, the, the, of all people, most grateful today because of the peace of conscience. If Martin Luther experienced anything, he experienced the dread of his guilt. He knew God required absolute holiness and he was trying to be holy with all his heart he knew that God was not going to fudge God was not going to lower his standard he knew that he was to be holy and to be righteous and to, and to, 
and to pursue that. And he was going crazy. And he finally said to one of his priests that he confessed to often, he, as he began to, to think through this whole system of penance that he'd been taught to believe that if he confessed his sin and did a few good things, the, the, the scales of justice could be balanced and God would someday justify him. He asked him, what do I do with the sins that I commit when I'm sleeping? He's pleading with those that he was confessing to, don't you know how deep my corruption is? And you see, 2 Peter 1.19 can be a beautiful verse, something for church, a nice uh, poetic picture. But it will only mean something if you've ever been stumbling in the darkness yourself. And you have a light. And you have a way of seeing, seeing through the darkness. We have power outages here in Hawaii. I don't know, mysterious power outages. It's a beautiful day. It's 82 degrees, no wind, and the lights are out. The power is gone. And then at midnight, all of a sudden, the power is gone. Do you scramble to find candles? Do you scramble to find a flashlight? It's funny how those those old-fashioned things called flashlights are very important. Are you desperate to see the darkness inside you dissipate and be overcome by the power of God's word? to be transformed, to, to take your assumptions about uh, your life and, and what you need, uh, what should function as your hope. You see, all of us today, uh, to really believe sola scriptura means that's my only hope. But we have lots of other sources for hope. Uh, for some of us, uh, it may be the first time that we've ever begun to think that maybe uh, what I've been taught about myself, this beautiful little self within me that's going to rise up somehow, maybe it's not that way, and maybe there is no hope within me. Maybe the hope comes outside of me. The hope comes through hearing the preaching of God's Word. The hope comes through studying God's Word. The hope comes through hearing the Father's voice. Remember, that is what the Mount of Transfiguration is about. Peter was there, and he heard the Father's voice. And what did the Father say? The Father said, listen to my Son. The Father is doing that right now. The Father is speaking about His Son right now. The Father is so uh, uh, in love with the Son that He moved men to write their letters about the Son. All the epistles, the the Gospels, the New Testament are, are just the Holy Spirit moving through men, moved by by the Father's love for His Son. I want the world to know about my Son. When you open your Bible, there's lots of facts and very interesting things about the Bible. Uh, You could be in a room and study all the facts of the Bible for decades. But there's one thing that you must encounter in the Bible. You have to encounter the Father pointing to you about the authority of His Son to forgive you of your sins. There's lots of interesting things about the Bible, but that's the one thing you must find. 
Luther was asked by one of his fellow priests, Martin, what's the deal? I mean, why do you want people to have their own Bibles? Do you realize that was a novel idea 500 years ago? Why should people have their own Bibles? And Luther's answer was this, that they might find Christ. The father has always been speaking about his son. Uh, He spoke in Genesis 3.15 about his son's battle with Satan, the promised one who would come and who would deal a death blow to Satan. The father has been preserving the world through the covenant with Noah, and, uh, and he preserved the world, though he judged it, but he kept it, and he preserved the world through Noah's descendants. The father thought of all corners of the world and every tribe and every people, and he moved sovereignly upon a moon worshiper named Abram. We call him Abraham. And he's the father of faith of all who believe, Jew and Gentile. Abraham's people ended up in in Egypt, and God remembered their cries and his covenants that he'd made previously, and he calls them powerfully out through a man named Moses, and he makes another covenant with man, and he is moving the, the plan of redemption along. There's a king named David, and he promises David, David, one of your sons will always be on the, on the throne over Israel, all over God's people, one of your sons. And then ultimately, the father who wants us to know his son brings his son. And his son is born of the Virgin Mary. And he, the father, reveals the plan of salvation. And all of this is our lamp. All of this is to bring us to the Father's voice, pointing us to Christ, Christ, the Son, the Savior. Peter assures us that we did, we did not follow cleverly devised fables. And then he assures us that Scripture was the product of the Holy Spirit moving among men. I like Peter. He is such a a great uh, character in the Bible. He's such a great study of so many struggles. Uh, Peter's fundamental struggle, and we could talk about it, but his fundamental struggle was self-sufficiency. Peter was following Jesus, but he was completely self-sufficient on his own. He he could fish. uh, He could figure things out. uh, He could follow. Uh, he, he liked to tell Jesus how he was the faithful follower. Uh, he, Peter was resourceful, very resourceful. And, and the, the funny thing about Peter is that he was blind to his own pride. Uh, and that's true of pride for all of us. Uh, it's really, really hard to, to see your own pride. And God in his mercy uh, does a great work for us. He helps us see what we need. And what we need is we need revelation. We need illumination. We need to have our eyes opened. Peter, Luke 9, Mount of Transfiguration, um, he doesn't quite understand all that's going on, but we we begin to realize that Peter's going to need instruction if he's ever going to be a true disciple. And so the Father speaks to Peter. Then in Matthew 16, it's very interesting, With Peter there, Jesus says to his disciples, who do the people say that I am? Uh, And uh, everyone else gets it wrong. Uh, 
uh, you're one of the prophets, you're Jeremiah, come back. And, and then there's a long pause. And then Peter uh, raises his hand, I imagine, and says, you, you're the Christ, uh, the anointed one. You're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. I'm sure Peter looked around and said, where'd that come from? Uh, And then, uh, it's interesting, at that moment, Jesus doesn't say, oh, Peter, you've always been the bright one. I I have nothing to teach you, Peter. He says, Peter, I want you to know the source, uh, where this came from. This didn't come from flesh and blood. This didn't come from your own synapses firing in your head. This came as a gift to you from my Heavenly Father. You are the recipient of illumination. You're the recipient of the Father's authoritative voice to you, Peter. This Sola Scriptura Sunday morning, may you find the Father speaking to you. Pay attention to this lamp until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. That day is coming. God's gift to you is the scriptures, his authoritative will, that you might find Christ. You might find the one that the Father loves so much. You might find the one who gave his life for you. That you would be assured of being one of his sheep who can never be snatched out of his hand. And that day that is dawning is yours. Hang on during the night. Stay close to the lamp. Be guided. But know that God in his good grace has brought you to know his son. And he did it through inspiring his word, being faithful to keep his word over the centuries, and to bring you into the kingdom. Such is the Father's love. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your gracious love, for your kindness in showing us Christ. Father, we ask that you would help us to love the scriptures and to be moved in heart, to be on mission with you, to to move with the Spirit and to, to be humbled in our pride and to receive from you your good truth. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.